Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. A podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Back to Najee, right corner for the heat check. Goal! Najee Marshall. Three of four from distance. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I am Joe Cardosi, joined once again by the lion-hearted Jim Eichenhofer. Uh, as we continue our player breakdowns, and uh, we are going to be delighted later to be joined by Aaron Hardigan of Bally Sports, a Hall of Famer here on the Pelicans podcast. But we are going to be breaking down the knife, Mr. Najee Marshall, uh, a fun player to root for, had a bunch of fun moments, got memed a lot by the Pelicans fans this season. Uh, sort of an up and down one for Najee, but uh, fun to root for that guy. Yeah, it really is. He definitely had the vast majority of his best performances were, say, before mid-January. Yeah, that was really when he played the most um, and was able to fill, uh, you know, a, a larger role. It was it was funny because I mean he was kind of the definition of from night to night. It, we, we don't you don't know exactly what you're going to be asked to do. Yeah, he started a good amount of games, but it wasn't like. It was all in one stretch or all in two stretches. Right. It was kind of like bits and pieces throughout yeah, the course of, of the season. Stuff. So, um, but he did a good job of really, I think, filling in when when he was called upon. Um, the Pelicans went twelve and nine when he was a starter this year, so that was definitely a credit to him. That you know, they they really almost had exactly the same winning percentage when he started as they did in the games when he was coming off the bench. Right. Um, Pelicans were twelve and five when Najee had. 15 plus points, which I don't know exactly what that means, but I mean, when he did have a really productive night, the the effectiveness of the team went way up. But again, just like with his minutes, um, the majority of those games where he had double figure points or 15 or more points happened in the first half of the season. Um, 18 of his 21 starts took place October through January. He just had three after that, basically towards the tail end of the season when they were super shorthanded. So Um, it was an interesting year. I mean, it, it just it was a big fluctuation from even from month to month or week to week as far as how much he was on the court. Right. And you just weren't sure what you were going to get from Najee. He had some dazzling passes. He had some head scratching lobs. Uh, so it was hard to figure out. Uh, but, you know, it was great to see Najee out there being the enforcer for the Pelicans. You look at Najee, you wouldn't think that's the guy that's going to go enforce on the on the court. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's sort of the role he took over. He seemed to relish that. Age. Yeah, there are times when I kind of sit there and laugh and it it's like when somebody starts something with the other team. Like, for example, when Phoenix got in the Pelicans' faces mm-hmm. after Zion's breakaway dunk at the end of the first win that New Orleans had over them. It felt like Najee was like, Sometimes in a case like that, he's he's like, man, I've been waiting for this moment yep. for my whole life. Yep. So he's definitely ready to jump in when there's Just a confrontation. Like yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically, I, I got to exactly. keep Jim on a chain. He's like a, he's like a yeah. rabid dog if somebody starts talking smack about the Pelican <laughs> podcast, which they always do. We're just a we're just a hot ticket item here, man. But you know, Najee's he's got heavy hands. Uh, he likes to think, and mm-hmm. so does Jim. So watch out. 
Uh, but yeah, it, he's a he's a fun guy, and 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 I love to see some of the uh, some of the Twitter memes that Najee uh, got made into. The knife got to be maybe one of the coolest uh, nicknames in the NBA. Uh, you know, and, and and we continue to uh, to be glued to the playoffs, and now we find ourselves in a bit of a a rooting conundrum, Jim, mm. because. Lakers and Warriors, how do you wash the stink off you from rooting for either one of them? You know, it's funny. I really didn't struggle too much with that decision, to be honest with you. I'm all on board with, I know I've said and tweeted and thought some some things that were not too kind yep. to Draymond Green, but what? let's go Draymond. Oh, man. Oh, that, that just hurt me hearing it, but... uh it's odd to see it coming out of Jim's <laughs> mouth. It's like you're an AI or something. I, do I really know you? Yeah, man. For the next two weeks, I'm all about the Warriors. I, I, you know, I didn't really. If it's the Lakers versus anyone, yeah. So <laughs> yes. So I, I don't. It really wasn't that difficult for me, but though I do understand what you're saying that yeah. after we saw some of the stuff that we got from Golden State in the head-to-head matchups for New Orleans, it doesn't feel great to yeah. root for them. But but uh, I. It's okay. I well, it's now the that lesser the, of two evils. The pick interest is sort of out the window, you know, in terms of uh, of of the juicy pick there. Mm-hmm. So now it becomes how much can I not stand to watch LeBron and Anthony Davis succeed? Yeah, I want them out of the playoffs <sighs> too. I don't want them in the Western Conference Finals. So yeah. So that was that was easy for me. You know what was also easy for me was the Nuggets Sun series. It was very easy for me to put everything I have behind Denver. See that that one's easy for me. That yeah. one, I'm like, oh yeah, go Nuggets because that that one's uh, that one's a piece of cake. Uh, Denver, sort of a, a cool city like New Orleans, you could say. And uh, you know the the Joker's always fun to root for. That one I don't feel stinky like rooting for Denver. But uh, boy, Lakers and uh, Lakers and Warriors, I'm just gonna have to sort of just grimace at the TV and go, I don't care what happens for the, all those games. You know, I'm curious. I I you know I I like to use these Twitter polls. I, I would be curious if I put a poll out there of okay Pelicans fans, who are you rooting for between the Lakers and the Warriors? I'm confident that most people would say the Warriors, but I am a little curious to see what the percentage would be. Uh, you so. also got to leave a third option that says, what are you doing to us by, <laughs> by asking this? Because yeah. you're going to get a lot of hate, but it's right. worth asking, man. It, it's it's a weird playoff series, uh, and, and it's going to be interesting going forward. Who knows what could happen? We'll be glued to it. You'll hear me and Jim hollering in some bar. Uh, but, you know, speaking of hollering in some bar, our next guest is one of our favorites, uh, Aaron Hardigan. Always great to hear from her. And we want to talk some Najee Marshall. So let's talk the knife with our own knife, Aaron Hardigan. Joining us on the Pelicans podcast, uh, we had to take the people's request, Jim. The people were clamoring, mm. more Hardigan, more Hardigan, and Definitely. we could not keep the people down. So joining us on the Pelicans podcast, your friend and ours, Aaron Hardigan, how are you doing? I'll thank my family for being like those people, those only people that were probably shot, and they might not, not, not even be on that list. Well, you got a big family because um, there, there were myriad. <laughs> They might not even have made the list of quote-unquote people. But, um, no, it's great to be back on with you guys. And my highlight, my celebration today is hanging with the two of you. I feel very centered. Like, I don't know why I feel like it must have been the morning yoga like I didn't do. I think it's Jim. Um, Jim just centers me. He's like our Buddha. You know, he just just walks in and I feel the zen. And not to mention, I mean, we get to talk about today as David Wesley so eloquently shouts. And he does it better than anyone. 
Najee. <laughs> we should have just See, had that was a David like the Wesley cameo. And th- those are normally what I bring here to the podcast. Yes. Is like the, like, you know, the off-brand. Yes. That's the off-brand David Wesley. But I love, I love, every time, it's like, I love when he shouts that. In fact, I'm going to post that on Twitter today so you guys can all enjoy it. You know, Jim and I were talking about, uh, you know, just how much she was memed by the uh, Pelicans fan base on, on Instagram and Twitter. And, and he was a fun guy to root for. Easy to meme because he's a uh, he's very charismatic. Uh, he's very flashy. Some of the passes that he made were great, and uh, there were just so many fun fun moments within the season covering Najee Marshall. It seemed like yeah, and that's the thing. I, I you and I we'd all kind of you know talked about it before kind of hopping on air here. Is is like what I really want to celebrate is his growth that yeah. we saw this year, right? In fact, you mentioned, like, you know, some people were a little questionable, you know, questioned maybe at the beginning of the season, how might he fit in, what effect he might have. I mean, he had had so many, you know, up and down trips to the G League and whatnot. Right. One of my favorite Pelicans fans was just telling me he might have to go back and find the preseason receipts in which he insisted Najee was going to be a difference maker this year and totally got clowned for it. <laughs> I think he's found those receipts, mister, yeah. you know, if I, if, I, if, I, if I must say so. Because, listen, I mean, one, it's hard to believe Najee's only been in the league for like three seasons. Why, I don't know why it feels so much longer. There, there might have been a global pandemic in between there that may, yeah. that may have something to do with that. Yeah. Um, but he has most definitely become one of my favorite players. And, yes, because we get to extend his name whenever we say it. And, yes, because he is a hilarious personality. But he's become one of my faves because of his journey his grind, his rise to this point in his career. I mean, he went from undrafted out of Xavier to becoming a Swiss Army Knife starter, as we should call him, for the Pelicans. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, again, he's just a great personality. But um, Christian Clark, in fact, i got to throw this out there, had a great write-up on that rise on NOLA.com after right. Najee's career night over the Pacers back in December. I know you guys... Who, who, who could imagine a, a kid from the Northwest gym would pan out like this? Yeah. Pride of yeah, Syracuse. I, he was born in Atlantic City, I think, New Jersey, right? I think Yes, Jersey, know. and then he went to high school in Maryland. So he mm-hmm. was kind of like a Northwest kid. We just have that dog in us. That's what it is. Yeah, I need one of the like the, the dog like X-ray with Jim in it. That's, <laughs> yes. that's Joe. That's your Joe. That is your assignment <laughs> yep. today. Is to create one. Jim oh, surrounded by pit bulls in a chest cavity. <laughs> I'm on it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> also, can I tandem for a second? Another investigation. I think we need Jim on. Najee became known, like, at some point in the season, he became known as the nice. Yeah. Um, and I remember a point when he told me he didn't even know where it came from. Like, he didn't even know where it came from. Someone had asked him I'm about not sure if I remember like, oh, the lore like, now. That, that actually was Willie Green that coined that, which yeah, is kind of funny because, you know, Willie Green is pretty, like, you know, low-key low laid back. But he was actually the one because someone asked Willie Green, you know, if – they were like, if Larry Nance Jr. is the Swiss Army knife, the guy that is kind of doing all these different things, what is Najee? And Willie Green said, he's just a knife. He's just out there cutting people. So like, No, it's absolutely like most appropriate because he was like that multi-tool player that affects the game in so many different ways, seen and often unseen in a box score and, and certainly displayed that this year. But um, I will tell you, I kind of like the nickname. We also used to call him on the show the junkyard dog or the bulldog. Mm. Oh, I think yeah. same, same, same could be said for Jose. And I'll tell you, they both dig it. Like they love, like they're about that life. They love that. Yep. They, they, and it's very fitting for both of them in terms of how they embody 
really not only this team, but this city. I mean, think about it. We, you know, we talk about this often, you know, the resiliency, the fight, that next man up mentality, the like, I got you, you got me. And you know, darn well, Najee's going to have, as you, as you alluded to Joe, you know, darn well in any Mm -hmm. circumstance, he's going to have your back. He doesn't play around. Um, and, uh, respectfully, of course, but he will, he will go to, he will go to battle for his teammates or as he calls them, his fam. Like he will go to battle with his fam and he will run through walls for the city. Um, in fact, I, I mentioned a little earlier, you know, the fact that he's just loving new Orleans. He's, 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 he told me he feels he's thriving here. In fact, he called it a beautiful situation, which nice. it is. I just, I love, I love the city and everything about it. And, and the more I think about it, you know, new Orleans is kind of, synonymous with Najee's journey here, right? Like when you think about it, Najee has confidently declared he feels he is tougher than anyone in the world. And those are his words. He feels (laughs) he is tougher than anyone in the world. That is New Orleans, y'all. Like with all it's been through, it has persevered and so has Najee. That's a really cool reflection to think about today. Definitely. You know, part of this was that he was one of the guys that was on, you know, not injured, very much and he was rarely sidelined but he played um the fifth most minutes on the team he played over 1700 and he played 77 games which was the third most games that anyone played this year I think one of the things that was interesting about if you followed his season really closely is that it seemed like from week to week and month to month even sometimes game to game what they needed from him was different so I mean how much of his value to the team beyond you know the the fact that he was so available that like I said he played the fifth most minutes was that he is a guy that's capable of, okay, we need you to score. He had five games of 20-plus points. Yeah. We need you to be a playmaker. He, he, I thought he really did some good stuff with his passing this year. And just his energy, too. I mean, it just seems like he is one of the guys that's most capable of being kind of a chameleon that he can just do from game to game what you need from him. Oh, my gosh, yes. And, and he's always ready when called upon, much mm-hmm. like, Billy, like a Billy Hernan Gomez. Right? That's, that was really the, the majority of the second unit. I mean, those guys were ready when their, their number was called. Um, and I think a lot of where Najee's growth has stemmed is, and I give total credit to a guy like Willie Green, um, and just watching him. And, you know, you, you only, and Jim, Jim and Joe, you both know this, you, you briefly get to kind of like witness him in that gym element with the team, you know, during shoot-arounds mm-hmm. or practices. Yeah. But I do know that he's not only a coach that coaches on the court, but equally as important, he coaches off of it. Yeah. And he's all about developing not only the player, but the man, the husband, the father, the brother. And what I think is cool about him and Najee's relationship is he has allowed Najee to be who he is yeah. Yeah. and allow him to like own that mm-hmm. and like own, own that like dog in him and, and do what he does best. And, and, and Willie like lights a fire under that almost, you know, it's celebrated. And I yeah. dig that. And, and as Jim alluded to, you see its effects. His scoring has improved. He's always been a defensive force, and I feel like force uh, with Najee is putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah. But um, he's de- he's developed a nice little three ball when needed. Shouts Fred Vinson on that one and yep. his uh, school of coaching, as we call it. Um, as you know, I've I've kind of been a very very small witness, as has you know, as have you both to Fred's transformation of Najee's shot. You know, yeah. I'll watch them after shoot arounds or practices. You know, he's transforming that shot much like he did Brandon's and Herb's and Lonzo's when he was here, right? Mm-hmm. So I am like a firm believer and advocate for the Fred Vincent program, side note. Yeah. Um, 
I do think, though, what separates Najee from a lot of the other 3 and D type guys is his passing, like Jim said. He's especially fun to watch when he's, like, dishing it out in traffic, in the lane. Like, no he look. has some moments this year when I'm like, dang, okay, yep. I see you. He had so many, like, exotic layups. He had so many creative passes, that sort of no look where he sort of did the anime pose after. And yeah, that was one of my favorite <laughs> moments. There are just so many great little uh, moments that Najee had. You, you can't, you know, there are some games that he took over when he needed to be uh, in the starting lineup because of injury and just being available, being sort of a glue guy, a culture guy in the locker room. Uh, it was, it just seemed important uh, to have Najee there, whether or not he was at the forefront of an actual game. But I mean, what were some of your favorite moments this season between, between the crazy passes, between uh, some of the fun interviews, between him being a hype man for his other teammates? It's just hard to pick one for me. I, okay. One, you mentioned like his, his celebrations, like after, uh, <laughs> after scoring, um, you know, younger fans are like, are, are watching him and, and just embracing him, um, which is really cool with this next generation. But again, going back to that Swiss army knife reference, I mean, he can pass, he can shoot, he can drive, he can crash boards. I think his playmaking and decision-making has skyrocketed immensely yeah. this year. I think that was one of the biggest things I've, I'd seen. And it's, and it led to some timely plays from him in moments that we needed. Yeah. Um, and I and I I was sitting there like a proud mama watching that you know <laughs> watching him like Hercules Hercules while David over there shouting Nazi. I mean it just was like rockets. I mean it just like I mean our office is going nuts and and I remember his um it was the game against Indiana in December and uh, I can't remember whether it was on that seven game win streak or not. But yeah. I mean we were I mean we were like a top three team in the West at the time and he had a career Fun high times, then yeah. of twenty two against the Pacers. He would eventually get like 24 in January. But, um, you know, just I, I loved getting to see not only him grow and be celebrated in those sort of victories and career moments, but see the team also like celebrating him for those, you know, yes. and kind of getting that love back that he has given to so many of them in their highest of moments. I mean, that is this team in a nutshell. They, they, they truly, genuinely care for one another and 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 root for one another and and celebrate another's success and i yeah. just and i think nothing but positive is going to come from that as we continue. It's great to see the undrafted guys getting some love between Jose, between Najee. Uh, great to see the Pelicans sort of growing organically. And great to hear from you again, Aaron Hardigan. It's been a been a weird offseason as we continue to watch the playoffs and continuing to break down these players. But one ray of sunshine we always knew we could count on you calling into the podcast. Thank you for joining <laughs> these two old dogs once again. <laughs> well, I hope you two, you both get a good vacay in this summer because you Us both too. so much deserve. It's been an absolute <laughs> blast um, getting to hang with you all season long. Um, but Joe, Joe, I will leave you with this. I know, I know my friend, you are still hurting over this season finale. Yeah. It was a rough one. Yeah. It was, it was very, it was an underwhelming one. Um, just know I am consoling you from afar, but in the meantime, letting Jim do that. So, Jim, God help you. Give Joe a big old hug and kicking tail, fellas. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. And Thank I you, get Aaron. a free hug from Jim. Bonus. We all win. <laughs> <laughs> Always a blast with Aaron Hardigan, chaos encapsulated. Uh, so glad to hear from her on the Pelicans podcast, as always. 
And you know what? You know, we, we talked about Najee. We've talked about so many players on this podcast, and we will be talking about Dyson Daniels tomorrow, but we didn't want to leave out anyone. And, you know, a lot of players uh, gave meaningful minutes, even if they didn't hit, let's say, the, the cutoff of where we were going to be doing mm-hmm. podcasts. And it was great to catch up with some of them in the exit interviews. Yeah, there were a total of uh, five players that did exit interviews that didn't reach the cutoff that you mentioned. Um, in today's clips, we're going to kind of go over uh, some of the veteran guys, just like yeah. Najee Marshall, guys that have been in the league for multiple years and um, have that experience. Um, starting with Kyra Lewis Jr., um, he he had kind of a, 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 an up-and-down season as well. Um, had to kind of get re- get through his rehab before he was able to really even start the yeah. season on the floor. But in this clip, he talks about just basically here are the, some of the things that he's going to going to focus on in, in the off season. Uh, just different finishes. Um, just trying to slow down. Um, always work on my shot. Um, getting stronger on my defensive end. So ball handling, pretty much everything that I feel like as a guard you need in the league. And kind of to add to that, Kyra talked about one of the the things that he's focusing on not just this offseason but just in general is watching players like De'Aaron Fox of Sacramento. People always notice not you know a bad how, guy to watch. Right. And people talk about how fast De'Aaron Fox is. Kyra Lewis is really in that category as yeah. one of the fastest players in the NBA. But one one of the things that Kyra's taken away from watching Fox is just his ability to kind of change pace. And he mentioned how one of the things that he wants to try to copy that De'Aaron Fox does is he might fly down the court, but he'll just come to a complete stop and yeah. just throw the defense out of balance completely. Um, just slowing down and just kind of going yeah, from stopping and starting. Yeah. Exactly. Changing his gears. Um, I think that's something that will benefit Kyra a ton. We all know like it's him with him being as fast as he is, is a huge strength of his, but yeah. now he's going to kind of add to that by, figuring out ways to keep uh, teams off balance. And I know people wanted a bunch of Kyra minutes. Hard to find minutes in the guard rotation, especially you don't want to have experimental minutes and and crucial stretches. Uh, But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he carves out a role for himself. And definitely speed, being able to slash to the rim would help. You could take uh, some of the focus off of Zion there sometimes. Uh, And also, we just need good guard play. And, uh, you know, another guy that that we loved uh, seeing, uh, he came in late in the season, had to sort of orient to the team a bit. Uh, was Josh Richardson, who's a, a savvy vet in the league. He's on a, a one-year deal, you know, so interesting to see how he sort of fit in uh, here with the team. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the challenge of trying to find minutes for Kyra Lewis Jr., and this is something that we're also going to address in Friday's episode tomorrow with Dyson Daniels, that mm-hmm. it wasn't a kind of the kind of thing where you come into the season and you're guaranteed minutes because yep. of the depth. So, like you said, they added Josh Richardson at the trade deadline, he added to the depth, but also made it more difficult for some of the younger guys, maybe to necessarily kind of crack the rotation. Especially because he plays defense well too. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to get minutes there for sure. Some of the stuff that he did was very needed. Um, But in this clip that Josh Richardson gave from his exit interviews in April, he just basically talks about the, the challenge of his experience of being traded here you know, midway through the season and and kind of goes through just the, the positives and the negatives of that. It's uh, it's always a tough situation, you know, moving in the middle of the season, uh, trying to figure out where you fit, what your role is, you know, getting along with everyone and, you know, still being assertive. So uh, I'm happy with, you know, how it went. I think it could have went a little better, but it could always go worse. So, uh, you know, I'm satisfied, but I wish we could have went further. I think we had potential too, but, uh, 
Yeah, you know, personally, I think that um, the guys accepted me well and they really, you know, made me feel at home here. So Josh also talked about in his exit interview about how he lives in Miami during the offseason. So mm. he played for the Heat and apparently um, really liked that city. So he's decided to, to stay there. He's been on a bunch of different teams, but must be nice to be able to spend your offseason there. He talked as a beach house next to Jim. It's crazy, <laughs> you know. Oh, that was supposed to be that was supposed to be kept confidential. Oh, sorry, Joe, sorry. Now Let it's it out. But uh, Josh talked about how one of the things that he's planning on doing is hanging with Trey Murphy in Florida this summer. So yeah, I guess apparently that's part of uh, Josh's offseason program as he's gonna gonna hang with Trey. Maybe Trey can you know work with him on his jumper. Yeah, I thought Josh m- made a good amount of his threes, and that was something that helped the team as well. But um, we'll have to, maybe we'll get some, some footage. Maybe the squad will yeah. be there. And uh, one of, one of the, the other fan favorites, I feel like, uh, is, is Garrett Temple, uncle Temp. you know, mm-hmm. uh, another guy GT. who got memed, uh, by, by one of our favorites, uh, at retro Pels there, uh, Garrett Temple, I, I guess he had, he made that one three that basically, uh, was the, the height of my season. I know there were a lot of highs and lows of the season, but the Garrett Temple three was great for me. Uh, you just love to see Garrett Temple getting some minutes because it meant that the game was in hand, basically. Right. But he's been a great coach on the floor, a, a great glue guy in the locker room. And, uh, you know, we, we love Uncle Tim. Yeah, he, he played 162 minutes over the course of the whole season. He played in 25 games, which obviously neither of those are a ton of minutes or games. But I think the prominent role that he played with the team was really more about what he contributed in the locker room, some of the mentoring that he did, some of the advice and guidance that he gave to some of the younger players. And in this clip of Garrett from his exit interview, he basically just talks about how proud he was of some of the development of some of the younger players and just how, you know, the the talent and potential that this core group of guys that are in their early 20s has is reason why people should be optimistic about the future of the Pelicans. Oh, man. First of all, the young guys, you know, what, what Herb and Jose did last year was – surreal and then what what Trey and Herb and Jose did this year and and and, and then you know what Dyson was able to do show flashes of of what he's going to be able to do as an NBA player it bodes really well for us as a uh, as an organization going forward and um, I'm just very proud of those guys for you know how they were able to to bounce back Trey specifically doing what he was doing so consistently and then progressing uh, throughout the season you know, I think everybody has seen the offensive stuff, but defensively what he was able to do the last month of the season, I spoke to him about it. Uh, I think that's that's something that's really going to be um, really good for him. He's going to shoot the ball. He's going to be able to, you know, do the dunks and things like that. But when he's able to defend and be a plus defensive player on the court, the sky's the limit for that guy. And uh, I'm just really proud of him progressing the way he did. And, and also Herb, you know, he started off a little tough, got injured. Uh, but but really finished the last month and a half really, really strong for us. So really happy for those guys. Garrett was also asked in his exit interview, you know, how much game does he have left? And he kind of joked. He said, you know, if you want to know if I can still hoop, just ask the guys in the stay fit games, the, <laughs> the conditioning games that are for the players that don't play a lot. Apparently yeah. he was giving people – a lot of work in those games based Man. on his, his description of that. Still got so, some hops. So yeah, Garrett's uh is not talking about, you know, hanging up the sneakers and retiring. He still says he's got some game left and some some hoop left in in those sneakers. So um we'll have to we'll have to see what the future holds for Garrett. But I mean I was 
I, I mean, how can you not be impressed in the, in the couple times that I interviewed him this season? I mean, he just is a wealth of knowledge and experience yeah. and a great guy to have around to just help guys. He's just such a calming presence, you know, kind yes. of like myself. Yes. He's yes. Just, just a steady rock. So zen. And then so. the dances, too. You know, the, the Garrett Temple dance is very similar to yours. <laughs> uh, you know, yes. I mean, great stuff there from all the guys. And uh, we'll have more of those uh, tomorrow as we continue this uh, series of podcasts on the players. We'll be talking about Dyson Daniels, the Aussie. Uh, as we round this out with our own Mr. Todd Graffinini, and we will hear more from some of the other players that contributed. So stay tuned. Check that out on the morrow. Thank you for listening to the Pelicans podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, tell your friends and pals to subscribe and uh, click that uh, five stars. We like that stuff. Thanks to Aaron Hardigan for hanging out with us on the Pelicans podcast. And we will talk to you once again tomorrow. So until then... Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. <laughs>